Hey, it's Kate. You're watching and listening to the CMO show, and I've got a most amazing guest today. It's Megan Leaders, CMO of Silicon Labs. I loved our chat. I learned so very much, and I know you will too, so listen and enjoy. Hey, it's Kate, and you are watching and listening to the CMO show with Kate Gunning. That's me. And I've got an ATX icon with me today. You can't drive over the South Congress Bridge without seeing the logo for the company that she represents. It's Silicon Labs, and she's Megan Leader. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Thank thanks you for so having much me. for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. We're grateful to have you here. It's going to be fun. It will be. And I'm excited to get to know you. I've heard a lot about you, but we've never had the chance to sit down with each other. So yes, this will be fun. We'll be. We'll get to know a lot about each other and yeah. other people and yes. our thought processes on, yes. on the CMO role. And speaking of which, before we went on air, you mentioned that you think that there's something that CMOs can provide beyond just their seat as CMOs. You want to talk a little bit about that before we get into... The meat of our chat. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something I think CMOs bring such a rare talent to organizations, not necessarily those that they sit and represent every day, but those in the community. And that can be in the form of nonprofits or even even positions on other boards. Uh, and, and I'll talk a little bit about from a nonprofit perspective, often nonprofits are, are looking for leaders that embody the brand or they're passionate about the cause. And boards from nonprofits really want to span all layers of expertise. They want finance, they want lawyers, they want maybe medical professions, just depends on, on that specialty. Well, with CMOs and people with marketing expertise, every nonprofit really needs to understand how to market to their constituents, their their base, their donor base to the the customers that maybe they want to serve or their um, the people they're trying to help. And so with with a marketing background, that expertise can really lend itself well in a boardroom. And because marketers really span more than just the advertisement or the branding or the getting to know the customers, they understand the business aspect too. They really bring a wide variety of expertise to those conversations. And so uh, CMOs are in demand for nonprofits, and myself, I sit on on four wow. uh, nonprofits. Yeah, two within the <laughs> UT system, so oh, it's goodness. a little different there. Um, <laughs> and then two um, that are community community led. That's great. Okay, so give us some tips. How do we find our nonprofit seats or board seats for people who have not done that before? What do they do to get started? Yeah, I, first you know, I think it comes down to you have to figure out what your passion is, you know, find a nonprofit that maybe you associate with or that you are drawn to that cause. Um, for me, it was uh, one in particular started with with cancer. And I had a, a father that was diagnosed. And so I wanted to give back in a capacity that would serve a cancer community. And so this was for Texas 4000. And uh, the another one may be a passion that you have. Uh, it could be religious, it could be education, it could be anything, but find that passion. And once you find it, uh, whether you sign up to be a volunteer or whether you just call the executive director and, 
and let them know that you have an interest um, to serve. And again, that serving may be just to start out as a volunteer or ask if there's a committee where they take members at large and you dip your toe in the water. Oftentimes what you think the organization is about may be different once you once you kind of that peel that layer and get behind the scenes. And so serving on a committee is a is a great way to look inside, but not necessarily commit yourself uh, in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think what can be really fun is finding ways we can apply our creativity without doing marketing itself, right? right? right. So what you're describing right. is a way to do that, a way to flex your creative mind in a, in a format that might be a little bit different. Right, right. Whether it's leveraging the network we have uh, from a PR perspective, or again, how do we reach customers or even simple things like we need to send an executive director email mm-hmm. to our members. And can you just take a look? Can you just have that extra pair of eyes? And we just may have that level of expertise from a marketing lens perspective. But again, overall, from a business sense, we really, as CMOs, tend to understand that entire customer journey or that entire discussion that um, a nonprofit has when they're trying to reach an individual, whether they're trying to reach them and provide a service or whether they're trying to reach them and seeking seeking funds or assistance or, or delivering something of value, um, a marketer can really lend mm-hmm. that, that time and talent and creativity. And again, that network that oftentimes nonprofits just don't have access to. Yeah, absolutely. What about board seats? And board seats come pretty naturally at that same path. So once you've, you volunteer to serve on a committee, mm-hmm. uh, you start to see the inner workings, you are exposed more to some of the, the, the other board members, uh, you ask about their recruitment cycle, uh, is one way to do it. And another good way is green lights as an organization in town that you can mm-hmm. go to and green lights is always advertising nonprofits that are looking for board seats. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, 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 or they can place you, they can say, okay, tell us what your passions are. Tell us what your interests are and let's connect you. And so that's another great organization. Um, and, but really it starts with in Austin, we are very fortunate to live in a community that has a lot, hundreds and hundreds of nonprofits. So the, the sooner you narrow down maybe an area of interest, you start Mm -hmm. to just kind of maybe, maybe scope them out, maybe attend one of their events. Um, see if you know anyone that, that, is affiliated with it and you become familiar, then it's very easy to just make an outreach to the executive director or one of the, the board chairmen and let them know your interest. And again, start start small. Oftentimes I recommend serving on that committee. And then when the time is right or your interest is has peaked, then you say, hey, I'm, you know, maybe interested in taking that next step. Mm-hmm. Because with a board seat, it it does come with commitment. It comes with it's not just time. Usually there's um, financial obligations, there's sure. networking obligations, and uh, you want to make sure the time is right for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're suggesting if you want to get interest involved in the nonprofit that we should pick a topic or topics that we feel passionate about, maybe make a list of prospective mm-hmm. organizations that we might be interested in, reach out directly. Mm-hmm. And then there are resources like Greenlight, I think you said Mm -hmm. it's called, that you could be more directly engaged with if you want to have them come to you about opportunities that relate to your interests. Right. And they have classes that will teach you what is it like to be on a nonprofit board, what to expect. And, um, you know, the other recommendation would be go meet with someone that's on a board, Mm -hmm. you know, whether 
you're bound to know somebody that serves on a board, even if it's not a board that you're necessarily aligned with. Yes. Um, just ask them what it's like. What is your experience? And every nonprofit that I sit on is completely different from the other. Mm. And one may be stronger here and lighter here in terms of their um, advancements or their business discipline or Sure. How far they have been in the journey. Maybe they're a newer nonprofit, Mm -hmm. but just speaking to someone that has served in in those board capacities can give another glimpse into what you may expect and how you may be able to offer your talents. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And is there a point in your career when you recommend starting to consider this or... You know, I think a lot of like life changes, Um, you know, we all make choices of where we're going to work and where we're going to give our time to based on our, our own personal availability. And when I had younger kids, it was hard for me to give of my time. (laughs) Not a full-time job and four, four nonprofits. Exactly. (laughs) Now that I'm a little older, the kids are a little bit older, more self-sufficient. It is a little bit different to balance my time. And so I would say there's not a particular time, but there was certainly a moment when I felt I had something to give Mm -hmm. and I could give in a different way. And so my first nonprofit experience was actually with the YMCA of Austin. And uh, I was young. I was in my 20s. I'm married, no kids. And I served on a smaller committee. It was one of the branches and a committee there. And so it really allowed me to understand how uh, a branch worked and how I could give some time and some talent but I didn't know enough. I knew I was not mature enough to sit at that next level, but I had the ability to observe. And so I volunteered to serve as a branch liaison to the, the larger, uh, I'll say Austin branch. Mm-hmm. And so after a couple of years of doing that, I felt like I had enough experience. My career had really continued to grow. And so, and I had the time to serve at that next level up, but there's, there's no right or wrong time, but you have to you have to make sure that you can give mm-hmm. to the organization because they're expecting that. Um, yes. Or you're taking a seat of somebody else that that maybe has that time or that mm-hmm. capacity to serve in that way. But it, it varies. I, these boards I serve on, the ages range. Uh, but I will say most of them are, are probably mid-career, mid to late career. Okay. So mid to late career and you got to have the heart and the time. You do. Yeah. 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 And what do you think it is about you as a leader, as a marketer, as a woman that has made you passionate about nonprofit just in general because it seems like you have been for a long time yeah, I think a lot of it was my upbringing um, and and a lot of that started in late high school but college and I, I did go to UT and <laughs> uh, a lot of the organizations I was involved with had a philanthropic mm-hmm. component and I got to see how you can serve and give back to a community and it didn't mean that you had to give necessarily with dollars all the time. Giving yeah. of your time is one of the the rarest and most precious assets that you can give. And so I saw that and I saw the direct impact that you could have as an individual, as a student. And that was just something that carried carried forward. And companies that I look to uh, that maybe are attractive to me, I also want to make sure that they have an alignment to the community in some capacity or they have the ability for us to build that or um, and uh, approach how, how they serve in a different way than perhaps what they had considered or what they're doing today is exactly what I was looking for. So, yeah. um, but it's, it's something that I think based on your life journey or your life circumstances, it may impact you or it may come to you differently than others. I know one of the, the boards I served on, the reason this my partner in crime, he was the chairman for years and I was the vice chair was because he had a family situation and that's mm-hmm. what 
called and pulled on his heartstrings to, to give us his time to that organization. So it, it just depends for everybody. It's yeah. a little different. I think the same of CMOs, mm-hmm. that our life's journey really impacts who we are as CMOs even more than our actual on-resume experience. We talk a lot about that on the show. It's like you have qualities about you and your sensibility and how you approach problems and how you think of things and how you gather people together, right, that really impact who you are as a leader, who you are as a marketer. And so what I love about what you're highlighting here is how that can apply to an area of of opportunity that's adjacent to your role as a CMO, but it's it's a really nice compliment. It is. It is. And because the role of the CMO is much more broad than we don't just put advertisements up or we don't just send emails. (laughs) We don't. (laughs) We are we are much more complex than that. And it looks more like a business. Yes. Especially when you're a CMO that is responsible from I'll call cradle to grave Mm -hmm. or has the access to the data to be influential from cradle to grave. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks much more of a business like a a business management than it does just an advertisement or communication or um, an event. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And tell me, so what do you think the most important trait for a CMO or a person in marketing is? Today, uh, I'd say in the last the last <laughs> decade, if you look at marketing as a discipline, and I, I tell especially students uh, this all the time, that marketing is the fastest changing discipline of any in an organization. Mm-hmm. The technology has changed. How you reach the consumer has changed. Consumer buying behaviors is dramatically different today. Where you shop, how you shop, the on-demand aspect of what you want to be, how you want to be communicated with, how you want to purchase, Mm -hmm. your desire to interact with sales, all of that has changed. And fundamentally, the infrastructure to provide that education, the data analytics that can help you be smarter about where you make your investments, all that has not only changed, it is rapidly advancing. By the time you have something deployed, there's something new, a better mousetrap. And Mm -hmm. so one of the traits that every marketer has to have is the ability to adapt, the ability to be flexible, and the innate desire to just be curious, mm. constantly learn. Because what they knew coming out of school may not apply by the time they they enter the workforce. And you look at what's happening with chat, GPT. Yeah, I mean, there's a brand new technology, a universe of technology that as marketers, and not just marketers, businesses are going to have to really figure out how they embrace what they do with it, how it may help them become more efficient. And I know the hat I wear, I've already gone to the team a couple ways and said, hey, let's experiment with this and that where we've got these ongoing programs. I said, what if we were to take the output of this program and let's leverage chat, see what we can get out of it. See what it says. See what it says. And let's experiment a little bit. And if we're not challenging ourselves to do that and don't have that curiosity, we won't advance as quickly as we need to. But I think there's, there's something to be said about teaching, especially a younger generation who thinks they're ready yeah. and ripe to adapt and be flexible, but then showing them what that really means in the workplace or, or oftentimes two different things. Mm-hmm. I agree. And how do you learn? It's, it's a, a couple different ways. And in fact, it's one of the KPIs we have for our team is to ensure that we are constant learners. And so we, we really strive to 
allow the time for our team to learn. And while, you know, the company may offer tools and techniques, one of the ways in which I, I share how I learn is I have a community of uh, marketers that I regularly go to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's podcasts that I listen to. Uh, there's books. Mm-hmm. And and just educating that learning comes in a variety of ways. It, yes. It's not necessarily going to some $5,000 trade show. In fact, that's probably <laughs> not what I would recommend or even yeah. a conference. It's uh, Conferences can be great, but I get a lot more out of a conversation uh, with, a, let's say, another CMO and say, hey, how are you thinking about this challenge? Or what are you guys up to? And Um, I do that regularly with a community of CMOs. And so we hear best practices or we just are seeking advice. Uh, But again, it comes in a variety of ways. And over the pandemic, I became uh, very conditioned and changed. You know, everyone had to change how they were working out and change how they were spending time. And I became a prolific walker during that time in the neighborhood. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts and a lot of, a lot of books Mm -hmm. um, and, and, that is how I learn. But again, everyone's a little different. A lot of people will do online learning courses. It just depends on the discipline. You know, the more technical, it tends to be workshops and Mm -hmm. um, courses. And and that's great for that discipline. And in other cases, it may be more interaction uh, Mm -hmm. through discussions. Learning on the job, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that we implemented is if we ever do go to a conference or if we ever are um, in an environment where maybe we spent half a day with one of our vendors and they were telling us best practices, we'll do a lunch and learn. We'll bring in lunch and we will describe uh, what happened or what did you learn? What was yeah. your takeaway from that? And that's the expectation of anybody who's going to a conference um, or attending some sort of workshop. That's good. Yeah. What are your favorite podcasts other than this one, obviously, <laughs> and yeah. books? Can you give us a list? Yeah, there. I do listen to several of the CMO um, podcasts and there's, there are a lot to choose from, you know, and sometimes I'll tune into Saster because I, yeah. Saster is uh, always, they're, they're talking to CROs, they're talking to CMOs, they're talking to presidents and founders. And so it's kind of a wide variety. And so Saster's fun, yeah. um, not in a SaaS based business today, but it's fun to tune in every now and again. Um, this podcast is great and you get unique perspectives of, sat on a couple that will talk about the marketer's journey mm-hmm. and just hearing what people's career paths are. Um, B2B technology is good. I mean, there, there's a variety. And I will also say I don't always listen to, to marketing ones either. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you want to listen to how something was invented and, uh, you know, it piques that curiosity of how a product was built or what went through their mind. And then that helps you become a better marketer of how you reach that customer if you happen to be in that field. And so sometimes, you know, diverging outside of your bubble is what, what is the best recipe for learning. I agree with what you're saying about perspective and the need to have broad perspectives. And I love what you said, particularly about Saster, hearing from CROs, presidents. I think that makes us stronger as CMOs because we can then relate to what the people on the leadership team are thinking about. And one of my favorite books lately is called Alchemy, and it's about things that are contrary to what people think would make sense, mm-hmm. like zippers, bicycles, right? Like right. when those when those <laughs> concepts first came out, people were like, "What?" Yep. But it, like, it's a bicycle, of course, mm-hmm. it's a bicycle. So 
commonplace today, yeah, yeah. but really extraordinary back then. Yes, yes. extraordinary. Yeah. And somebody had to believe enough and yes. like, oh, okay, it's a fresh perspective. Yes. It's a new idea. Like, let's yes. go for it. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So share with me, if you can, about your point of view on fresh perspectives on teams and how you think about bringing people up into organizations, the way that you lead. How, how, what does it look like when we're on Megan's team? So I'm a, I'm a big believer of building a culture within a team and having strong team camaraderie. And with marketing, I don't know of any marketing team that can function well and really create that engine if they don't have great players that want to be there, that have that desire um, to be curious, to learn, and to be flexible and adaptable, mm. but that they that they are passionate about the cause, right? And the cause being defined by goals and KPIs, but there's a vision and a strategy that has been very well outlined for them. And so, um, you know, I'm very conscious of making sure that we have a team that's assembled that has all those components and. You know, when I hire, I hire oftentimes for passion mm -hmm. and someone that can really display that they have the passion to want to grow and that has the propensity to grow and how they've learned to become the person they are today mm -hmm. and what they're open to, to doing in the future is really kind of a key ingredient. And oftentimes, you know, with, with many disciplines, you can teach them a skill and marketing in some, so many ways you can as well, because it is changing, right? I, technology I'm using today, I didn't use two years ago. And so I can teach somebody that what I can't teach them is how to be passionate about where they are, what they do, and finding a way to collaborate and yeah. being good communicators. And I think those are all really key ingredients to make a good, a good team. Um, but further, a good team has to be good teammates outside of their own, you know, their own bubble. And mm -hmm. so with marketers, we're, we're all ultimate collaborators, um, and communicators. And so we have to make sure that we have a balance. Not everybody is that external communicator and we want to recognize and respect that. Uh, but how can we be the evangelist for those that may have a role where they're not the ones evangelizing or broadcasting uh, their results or broadcasting that data, but those that are in that role and capacity can do so very effectively. Yeah. And tell me what you think about turnover as a topic and how you, I think you have thoughts about that for CMOs, but also just for people who are on marketing teams in general. Can you yeah. share your view on that? I, you know, everyone's face faces um, turnover and especially in this climate, right? You see a lot of layoffs and, and those are inevitable that it happens. Uh, when I look at a team dynamic, I mean, I've been, I'm around, been around for a long time. I'm old. And, uh, you know, earlier in my career, I, I would look at who we're bringing onto the team, really try to cultivate them and make them strong leaders. And I realized very early that if I do my job right, these are people that are going to have wings yeah. that I'm going to give them. And I'm going to give them all the tools to make them be ultra successful at their next role. And, I may not have that capability to provide them that next step up, and that's okay. That is not a bad thing, um, and that's very real. But for them to get that next step up in their career, they may have to go elsewhere, and mm -hmm. I applaud that. And I look at, you know, if I can keep someone for two and a half to, to three and a half years as a, you know, a, a younger marketer, that's great. And I am super proud of those folks that have been on my team, and I look at it now, I have – 
well over a dozen, and probably closer to two dozen people that have worked for me that are now VPs or CMOs mm-hmm. themselves. And that's it, such a good feeling. It's such a good feeling. I mean, that's why I do what I do. I don't yeah. do it for just for me. I do it really so that I can bring up this next generation and the people that you surround yourself by are 10 times smarter than you are. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes for a great team, but it really allows for that person to shine. Mm-hmm. And if you can give them that career growth to shine within your organization and keep moving up fantastic. And at some point you, maybe you can't, but if you can go help them propel them to be bigger somewhere else, fantastic. And you never know how those uh, intersections come back together yeah. in the future. And, and, you know, I'm a big proponent of that. And marketing is just a discipline where I think that is much more commonplace. I will say not all organizations um, or disciplines, I should say, d- departments and disciplines are like that, right? If, um, and, and a lot of that is attributed to the fact that just marketing changes so often, whereas other disciplines are, are more constant, Mm-hmm. I agree. I love reconnecting with people from my past. Yes. And finding and a new way to work together, a new thing to learn from each right. other. It's so fun. Right. And and you're excited to see their journey grow. Yes. And if you can say, I was there from the beginning. Or, you know, <laughs> and now you're teaching me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they're, they're presenting to you. And yeah. I had, um, when I moved back to Austin, the person mm-hmm. that I came to work for, she told me, she goes, I'm going to be working for you one day. Mm-hmm. And I was young. I mean, I was 24, maybe. Like, say what? And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, she was, she was older. She had had a child already, one or two. And I, I was like, I don't know about that. And sure enough, wow. um, that happened. That's and so cool. It's very cool. And, and you know, I cherish relationships. I'm, I'm very much a people person. And I am loyal. And um, that's what, you know, that's what makes for allowing you to be able to, to let someone else shine in the spotlight and, um, see their, their career grow. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be working forever. So, exactly. You know, we got to do our part to educate and build that next, that next yeah, layer. I totally agree. I think that's really, it's something that is important to remember and reflect on mm-hmm. because it can get so competitive day to day. I think for people, even when you're thinking about your next role and where you want to go and, who's also maybe looking at that same place. And, and I think that that's happened a lot more frequently in the last couple of years mm-hmm. with turnover being where it is and people with similar skill sets kind of tribing together and then vying for similar roles. I've seen that happen a lot in my community and it just, it, it can feel kind of icky. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, takes you back to those high school days uh, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> we don't no need that for that. No, you got to build everyone up. Yeah, and love each other through. Yes. Yes. And especially, uh, you know, women in tech mm-hmm. and you, you do want to build each other up and that's where having a strong community of other marketers yes. that really mm-hmm. want to empower you. I'm part of a empowered CMO network and I, I, I'm so, I'm so in awe of how much there's encouragement yeah. of one another. Um, hey, 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 let me take a look at this and let me help you. And mm-hmm. they're not competing for the same job or maybe they are, but they're willing to give of their time yeah. to, help someone else succeed. And what a gift, it's what a gift a to be gift. able to, to do that. And if we can keep deploying that down at the younger generations and educate them and show them how to do that, then, um, you know, we'll groom them to be those same folks as they get older. Yeah. I think there's another powerful thing in what you're saying too. It's like a sort of underlying connotation, which is taking the time to build relationships mm-hmm. and the world that we're operating in can be so chaotic, but really taking the time, what I'm hearing and what you're saying, but you're not saying the actual words is, is that too. It's like 
share moments with each other, connect with each other, take the time to do that. And then what you can discover can be very powerful. Right. It's like networking and I took a yeah. sabbatical. Oh, um, good for you. Yes. Gosh, I'm jealous. How'd you do it? What'd you do? Where'd I, you go? I did it. I did it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's something I absolutely encourage everyone to do. Yeah. And I think we're all running so fast. Mm-hmm. So, so many miles an hour, whether it's our mind is think always on, whether yes. we're up late because we have some idea, whatever it is, our family lives. Yeah. Um, and when we have the opportunity to take a pause, we, we, it's, it's great to do so. And I did it many years ago and I was adamant about taking six months for, for of time. And what I used that time for was one, just to reconnect on the family side. I had younger kids and really just needed a breather. I'd worked at a company for nine years mm-hmm. and um, it was fantastic, but it was, it was a good opportunity to just spend some quality time with them. Mm-hmm. But how I used my days was I just, I'll, I'll call it networking, but I met with people. I was, oh, I'm interested in Kate and what she's doing. And mm-hmm. she's got this new podcast. Let me let me go ask her how it started. Yeah. And I spent time just asking people what they do. How do they do it? I didn't want anything. I wasn't looking for mm-hmm. um, an, the next connection. I was just wanting to, to learn and um, grow. But at the same time, it, it allowed me to have that that constant curiosity yeah. of, of um exploring and taking the time to get to know people that, you know, you're so rushed, you see someone, you say hello, but you don't get the time to get to know them. And that sabbatical happened to let me do that. But what I learned from it again, it was many years ago, is that that is something that is instilled in me, right? How do I keep up with that community? How do I um, ensure that you preserve those relationships. And I'm not as great as I want to be just because life happens, (laughs) but, but I'm, I'm very mindful of, of those that, you know, you want to keep close and I have a personal board of directors for that reason. That's a good tip from Megan. Yes. Personal board of directors. Yeah. Just, you know, the people that you go to, it's not every day, but you go to this person for that yeah. type of advice or when you, you want to touch base on a topic and yes. you have this person in your network that might be able to lend an ear mm-hmm. um, if you've got another question or item that you're going, a situation you're going through. And so that yeah. personal board of directors is assembled um, and it changes, right? It's assembled at some point of your life and it, you may have different players come and go, mm-hmm. but they're, they're who you lean on when you, when you need that. Yeah. Learning without a motive. Right. Right. And, love- and networking without a motive. Yes. Right? I, you don't have an agenda. Don't not having an agenda sometimes yeah. is the best way to get to know somebody, but also um, connect in a different way and you feel human again. Yeah. I love that. Tell me, is there a quality in people or other CMOs, other leaders that you admire a lot? Like when you see it in someone, you just think like, that's just a quality that I think is magical. You know, there, there's so many talented CMOs out there and some specialize in being great visionaries mm-hmm. and articulate with the word. Mm-hmm. Others are brilliant at brand and creativity and you can't help but be in awe for every one of those <laughs> great, great yeah. qualities and characteristics. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, the the CMO that understands what they're there to, to do and mm-hmm. how they're going to be able to do that and assemble a great team to do so and care and have some empathy yeah. um, and, and trust of the mm-hmm. kind of that journey is really, you know, what, what maybe it's alcohol is inspiring, yeah. but every, every CMO or every discipline, you look at a big company, a very, a Cisco or an Adobe, 
um, that CMO looks very different than the CMO of a startup that is, you know, trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together and just get through the day to day. And it seems like much more tactical execution. And so the characteristics of that CMO looks very different than that of, Mm -hmm. you know, at at a, let's say a fortune 100 company. Yes. But regardless on an emotional level, what I've heard a lot from you is this thread around heart. You talked about passion, having empathy, caring, inspiring, like yeah. heart. Heart, but not coddle. Yeah. Right? Like, yes. Very big distinction, right? <laughs> I'm not there to difference. coddle. Uh, not going to coddle. Yeah. But, but yeah, have heart. Uh, but you have heart because you, you care, because you are passionate and you're passionate for the company. You're yes. passionate to achieve goals. You're you're passionate about celebrating All at that layers. victory lane at line. And yes. um, you're passionate about seeing someone grow and, and bloom from their career and education perspective. But man, that, that success is awesome when yeah. you when you achieve it and when you achieve it together as a company or as a team or as an individual and you want to see that. And um I'm I, I I do have a lot of care to me, but I'm also very um uh determined and I, I have goals and uh you you can balance both. Yes. Uh, and and have a, a great team that really shows up every day that mm-hmm. that wants to wants to work and try to achieve those with you. Yeah, much like parenting. Oh goodness. <laughs> like I love yeah. you, but you're yeah. going to room. That's right. That's right. We need <laughs> we need some time. <laughs> Let's just yeah. take space for five minutes. Okay. Yes. How about that? Yes. And and even with parenting though, as as <laughs> you've got young kids and mine are a little older and um those conversations change. Yeah. As well, right? Yeah. It's just like as as a company grows or as a company shrinks mm-hmm. or as a c- company gets reorganized and um, our turnover happens, how those conversations go changes. There's that adaptability there. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And, and you know, it's funny when you do interview, people know that we'll talk to them about change and yes. say, how do you deal with change? Or what do you tell me about an instance when you've changed? Mm-hmm. There's people that will, will always ask those questions. But when you really get to the root of it and when they go through change, it's very different yes, going yes. through it than it is saying it and mm-hmm. saying, oh, I'm, go- I'm cool with it. No, no problem. <laughs> I, I have change all the time that happens. Yeah. But um, as marketers, as CMOs in particular, we have to change on a, on a dime. Literally. I mean, it's, hey, we're no longer doing this. We're pivoting and we need you to show up here. COVID was a great example. Yeah. I mean, when I started... Um, there yeah, was, didn't you start right around? I started 10? about, yeah, about almost six September okay. of 2019. So okay. it was, it was right before COVID and the digital infrastructure just did not exist mm. to allow us to have a, a conversation with customers yeah. digitally from <laughs> webinars to emails. There was just, just a lot of infrastructure that yes. needed to uh, be put in place to enable that. And on top of that, you had an organization that was saying, what's going on? How, how are we going to do this? And uh, how can you help put some communications infrastructure in place? And you're new. And I'm new. And I don't know anyone. And, um, you know, the culture, the culture was, was, it was very different because people were used to mm-hmm. getting on planes or visiting with customers in person, um, having two way conversations face to face. And so how are you going to bridge all of that? And I was, uh, there was myself and two other executives were put on kind of this tiger COVID task team to go yeah. figure out how are we going to communicate with the company? That was kind of first priority. What are we going to put in place? How often, what are we going to do? 
And what's great about the outcome of those, those conversations and kind of that strategy is that it's still implemented today. And it's now part of our culture of how we communicate, um, even, even the video, right. And this is societal, I think, a societal change that's come about from COVID is that now we are so accustomed to being on video. Yeah. And I came, my roots were in video. And so I had no fear of turning on that video camera every day, but because of the pandemic, now all of us do. And so we've come to expect that, but how do we maintain that now that we're in the kind of this post world Mm -hmm. uh, and, and keep to kind of the discipline that we established with the communications that were so important to us when we couldn't see face to face. So it's those, it's those things that really, allow us to grow, mm-hmm. allow us to change the dynamic of teams, um, how we operationalize, how we become more efficient, but ultimately how we adapt and scale. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple of quick hit questions okay. for you before we wrap okay. up, because I just want to know what you think. Okay. I can't, I can't close without finding out <laughs> the answers to a couple of key questions. Okay. I could talk to you for a very long okay. time and I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, Ooh, okay. So what is, how would you articulate your superpower? superpower. Yes. I'd say transformational growth. And, yeah. uh, you know, if, if you'd asked me that question earlier in my career, I'd mm-hmm. say something different, but yeah. over, over the last 10, 10 years or so, mm-hmm. what I have been able to come in and the opportunities I look for are yeah. those where, uh, maybe it's, maybe something's broken, maybe something needs transformed. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the transformation is in process and it has yet to be figured out what it's going to look like at the end of the day. But being able to come into an organization and um, outline and strategize mm-hmm. of where and how we can take this company, because the second piece of that is growth. How do yeah. you scale it? And so I'd say I'd put both of those together. Transformational growth is and the superpower. What would you have said at the beginning? At the beginning um, of my career, I would have probably leaned more on operational efficiencies mm-hmm. and um, uh it, it was a fast and furious. I mean, when I started my career, it was, I was in product marketing yeah. Oh, wow. and yeah, that's how that I started <laughs> and defining that customer. Mm-hmm. And then it quickly transitioned to, Oh, well now how do I reach the customer? And there yeah. was no such thing as even a demand generation team. Right. And how do you pick up the phone to call them? I, yeah. I sent my, I, I was, Eloqua was one of their first customers sending that first email blast to, you know, a hundred thousand people. Yeah, it's very wow. scary. So yeah. <laughs> you're uh, like, press yeah. It. And, and it was much more <laughs> operational integrity, uh, infrastructure scale, mm-hmm. and it was sc- fast scale. Well, and it's cool to, to see mm-hmm. literally, if you look at your career, how that has evolved to where you are, yes. right? Like they're all connected. Adaptability, which you admire so greatly is certainly part of both of those things, which is cool. Yes. And how about on the other side? What do you feel like you're like, "Mm, I just can't, I am not good at that. And I need people that are around me. Yes, I can do that. You You know, if my kids answered that question, it'd be be one thing. Uh, Yeah. My son's like, mom, why do you make me mad so much? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not making you mad. Let's just be clear. You're the one that's following the rules. So funny. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Just follow them. And then we're all good. Follow them and then we'll be fine. Well, I'll be fine. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you have to become human. And Mm -hmm. I realize um, it's funny at the end of this year, I had the same issue with myself that I did the last three years or four years was I'm, I I delay on uh, expense reports all the time. I just Mm -hmm. uh, let them build up. And so I've made my personal agenda to get those in on time, but bigger picture than that, you know, I realize uh, I need to surround myself with someone that can take 
what I verbalize. Yeah. I'm a much better verbalizer. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm someone that can much better articulate what a, an email should say or what a communication should should articulate than I am a writer. Mm. And I can write, but it might take me three times as long as it would take yes. you. And knowing that my best trait is editing or coming up with kind of the, mm-hmm. the framework, the story, um, the what what we should talk about, some of the bulk key bullets yeah. um, is, is definitely where my strength is, mm. where I need to surround myself with people that can do it so much faster is take what I'm saying and Make translate it that. something. Yes. And they're brilliant at it. And again, you know, the whole team is that way. I look at, at every discipline of marketing and you, you, again, you want to surround yourself by people that are 10 times smarter than you. Yeah. And our role is to our, you know, our job is to empower them. Yeah. And I'm a big believer of empowering the leaders and the team around you. And that's why you've hired them. And so if we can empower them and um, provide that, that mm-hmm. communication with them or the guidance that they need to make them better. Fantastic. But empower them to let them go be great leaders themselves. And with, with um, communications in particular, that's one where they are so much better at it than I am, but I can spot yeah. exactly where we need to tweak or mm-hmm. maybe make something a little bit better. Speaking of empowerment, I have an operational question for you. Okay. How do you like to structure your leadership meetings? So, uh, great question. And, um, I'm just selfishly curious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) there, there's a couple layers to it too, right? You've got one-on-ones that you have, I have with my leaders Mm -hmm. and we keep to that regular schedule as much as we can. And, um, some forms of those one-on-ones may look a little different. One's more formal, one's more informal, just based Mm -hmm. on the discipline of Mm -hmm. that person's role. Uh, but then as a team, we, as a leadership team, we get together, uh, weekly. Mm-hmm. And we stick to that meeting. We mm-hmm. we go through, oftentimes it's a lot of updates on my end, but it's very much a sharing, a collaborative mm-hmm. uh, discussion. And it's transparent. There's there's no hidden agendas. There's no, um, there's nothing that is, should be a surprise. And we'll, we'll keep to that meeting and keep to kind of measurement, constant measurement. We're looking yes. at dashboards in one person's discipline more so than than another, but we're looking at dashboards and our one-on-ones, and then we'll bring some of those um, analyses or even problem problem statements that we're, we're discovering or things that need addressed to our combined leadership meeting. And then as a team, uh, we get together a couple times a quarter mm-hmm. as a large team and, and present, whether it's the metrics or whether it's programs yeah. and updates. And it's hard. The, the larger the team, the yeah. more remote it is. Yeah. Uh, but what's important is that you keep the cadence. Mm-hmm. And if you have interruptions or you don't stay committed to it, then, you know, the perception can be that you don't care or that you're not being transparent. And I'm a big believer of share everything we have. Yes. And uh, it's taken a long time to get to that data point where we have metrics mm-hmm. that can be shared throughout the organization and then a more granular level within our own team. And so the more we uh, share and provide those to others, the um, the better we are at our jobs. And we get to question, how do we make it better? You know, if we grew 20% this year, how do we grow that conversion rate to 25% next year? What can we do yeah. different? And that's where some of that creative mind meld and that think pot, that, that think um thinking element comes together when you're brainstorming and you're saying, here's the challenge. We don't know what we're going to do, or it can even be coming up with who our next keynote is going to be for mm-hmm. a conference um, or an event. That's great. Yeah. Really quick okay. in-house versus out of house agencies in-house out of house. Yeah. How do you, how do I think about that? How do you figure that out? Well, I'll tell you, I don't know any marketing 
team company group that can be effective or scale or be as efficient as they really could be if you didn't have a combination of both. Yep. And it, uh, some variability, depending if I'm at a startup, like a true startup, I, which I could not do again, you're, you're probably outsourcing everything because you don't have the budget to hire. Um, but even as you mature, you have projects yep. and I may not have the skill set on my team for a project and I may not want that skill set on the team long term. Mm-hmm. And so being able to outsource and whether it's outsourced to an individual or an agency, I'm a big fan. And if I look at our team today, I have a, a good amount of full-time staff, but I have an, a very large growing population of contractors on the outside. And you could, you could over-index on that one, because you get greater scale and you can pull those levers as you need them again, based on project or based on need, or just based on uh, operational efficiency. And so I'm a big fan of a hybrid of, of those models. And I think one thing that's important is how do you communicate and how do you work with those, whether it's agency or contractor. So on the PR side, um, you have some agencies that maybe are a, a little bit more hands off. And then you have some agencies that really come in and are, they're part of, they look like they're part of your team. You see them on a more regular basis, mm-hmm. your designers, um, oftentimes a very outsourced um, entity, but there's some designers that we really bring into the fold because they're such a vital component of mm-hmm. our day-to-day operations. And so if they, if they're not understanding, you know, kind of the need and the, the scale and the timeliness of things, and then, then they miss, um, and that's on us to communicate and, and really bring them into that, that conversation. Uh, but I'm a big, big fan. I don't know of anyone that could not be as successful if they didn't outsource, um, and again, outsource being agency, individual contractors, or just area of specialty. And, you know, we talked about chat. I, I'm not an expert on it and nobody really <laughs> is. Is anybody so yet? I, it's like, a, if you are, yeah, please call us. It's a crapshoot. So, yeah. you know, you're leaning on other people and maybe what you're leaning on there is for someone just to invest the time to go figure it out for you. Absolutely. And that's okay, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be someone on your team. Uh, but they could come back with the recommendations. But, you know, areas where we've really leaned on agencies is on on the operational pieces, um, just that the day-to-day execution, right? You can mm-hmm. just get lost in the minutia. And so having someone else to be able to crank emails or implement lead scoring or um, design um, at, a, at such a frequent pace, I mean, those are great ways to mm-hmm. scale events. Even sometimes we've, we bring in some help on events, yeah. um, but there's other skills that you really just need in-house at all times. Who do you think we should have on our show? Gosh, you could ask so many people. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, one person that I, I, every time she speaks, I really, I really appreciate what she has to say in her perspective. And mm-hmm. she happened to be at a company that saw accelerated growth and it went, took them public mm-hmm. and it was a right place, right time. She'll be the first to tell you it was mm-hmm. Carrie Lou Dietrich. And, um, she, she was at Alassian awesome. and took it public, but her perspective on how she gives back today mm-hmm. is really good. Mm-hmm. And, um, she mentors people, but she gives back to the community. And so she'd be a, a really good person to bring on here. Yeah, and she sounds like a great person to learn from. She, you could learn a lot from her days at Alassie and what mm-hmm. she went through, how how fast. Yes. And it, it was all in, all new to her. She didn't have the book to guide her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she that's a great story to hear from her perspective. But then yeah. what she's doing now and how she stays busy could be of great interest. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thanks for the tip. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate appreciate it. it. It's been really fun. Thank you.